Now, Birdsong, fun and fascinating talk about the top stories in today's headlines. Birdsong may just be the most qualified talk show host in the business, thanks to his many careers in law, government, and education. Here's your host, Leonard Birdsong. Hello, folks. This is Birdsong back with you on the radio for another week of entertainment and information. I'm here with my friend E.J., As usual, we have a good show for you. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly of the news of the past week. We're going to give you some dumb criminal law stories, some riddles, a Paul Harvey story, and some answers to the riddles if you can't figure them out. Let's start out with the news of the good. You may have heard that in Oslo, Norway, it's been reported that a young lady was raped and forced into sexual slavery by the Islamic State, ISIS. She's an Iraqi. Her name is Nadia Murad. She did not succumb to shame or despair. She spoke out. Then there's a fellow by the name of Dennis Mukwege. He's a surgeon. He lives in the Congo. He has treated countless victims of sexual violence in the war-torn Congo and told the world of their suffering together. They were both awarded the Nobel Peace Prize for this year. For their efforts, the award is partly to highlight the awareness of sexual violence. But the further purpose of this is uh, to show that nations should take responsibility for their commitments. So our our congratulations to... Doctor, he's a surgeon. His name is Dennis Mugwege, and to Nadia Murat. That Nobel Prize carries a money prize of one point million dollars, one point one million dollars, which they will split. Wonderful. Yep, that is wonderful. That's really good news. All right, so that's the good news. We congratulate those two Nobel Prize winners. What? Yes, congratulations. That's such shame that she has to endure in her culture. Isn't that right? The yeah. culture is, uh, well, it, it's... She, she was a, yak, here, a, a Yakzidi, uh-huh. Iraqi, and she was taken into slavery by ISIS, and they sold her. She made her way to Germany, and she spoke out, and now she's got part of the Peace Prize for this year. Mm-hmm. Very, how would you say it, courageous woman. Hopefully her uh, her fellow victims are are inspired by her and her fam- and their family members because from what I understand family members treat their women badly if they were raped even though it's not their fault we've taught we we went through that here um, some decades ago I guess but. Slowly, we've women have realized or been told and learned that they are not they are not at fault for what happens to them. All right, so congratulations. The next good story that came out came out of Chicago. A white Chicago police officer was convicted of second degree murder last Friday. He had shot an unarmed African American teenager. The whole thing was caught on dash cam from the police, and they hid the video for a year. 
That's a shame. However, John Van Dyke, who's 40, was the first Chicago officer to be um, charged with murder for an off-duty shooting in about 50 years. He was taken into custody after the verdict. He was uh, found guilty of second-degree murder, and he was also convicted of 16 counts of um, assault. Now, second-degree murder usually has a sentence of not more than 20 years, but he's got 16 other counts that go along with this. Why is why is why do we have those 16 counts? He not only shot and killed this teenager. His name was Laquan McDonald. It was at night. McDonald had supposedly sliced the tires of a police car and was walking away with a pocket knife in his hand when the officer shot him. Not once, not twice, but 16 times. Took only one bullet to kill him, but uh, 16 more bullets. And so he's going to go to jail. We don't know what his sentence will be, but um, it's good that he has been taken off the street. Now, the video showed that this teenager was walking away from the police officer. The knife that he had was a pocket knife. He was not threatening the officer, and the officer shot him, killed him, and then kept shooting. He needs to go to jail. All right. It's good, a good verdict. And let me see here. You had some information, EJ, about how many people were on the jury. You want to tell us about that? Oh, oh, the, bre- the, the breakdown, the ethnicity of the jury. Twelve-person jury included seven whites, three Hispanics, one African-American, and one Asian American. Mm-hmm. That was a, a a good mix, and I'm glad that they did that. Sounds like the UN to me. All right, it was it was a good outcome. All right, we won't belabor it. We will tell you what his verdict or what his sentence will be after he's sentenced. It usually takes six weeks before sentencing after the verdict. Now, you've all heard the story, I'm sure that Brett Kavanaugh, who I talked about last week, he was sworn in this past Saturday by the Supreme Court. He's now the 114th Supreme Court Justice here in the United States, 114th. The Senate voted, and uh, it was an election season triumph for President Trump. Kavanaugh was sworn in on Saturday night and sworn in again in a ceremony on Monday the was it the 8th, I think it was? Yes. Columbus Day. It was Columbus Day holiday. Now, again, he's on the bench. He was nominated and he was confirmed by a Senate vote of 50 to 48. Now, that is the closest, closest majority vote of a Supreme Court justice in 137 years. Isn't that something? Now, I told you that I was not a fan of Mr. Kavanaugh. I've appeared not before him, but certainly before the court that he sits on right now or sat on the D.C. Circuit. I I feel the same way you do, but why you feel that way? Well, again, like a lot of people, I don't trust that he will be impartial. Many people don't think he will be impartial, and I'm one of them. Many people believe 
his deny his denials about sexual harassment and what he did to Miss Ford, he lied about it. I also believe or he didn't remember. I also believe since you asked that he continues to be seen as a privileged, arrogant, self-righteous person, person who thinks only of himself. I don't think that someone who is so much of a partisan should be sitting on the Supreme Court. Now, I have some information about Kavanaugh. He is on the Supreme Court, but we'll see what happens. He was born on February 12th of 1965. He was raised in Bethesda, Maryland. That's a suburb outside of Washington, D.C. He now lives in Chevy Chase, Maryland. That's a suburb that's right next to Bethesda. His mother was a Maryland circuit judge. His wife, Ashley Estes, was once the personal secretary for President George W. Bush. He has two daughters. He went to high school in uh, Bethesda. He was captain of the basketball team there. His coach was a man by the name of Kevin Dowd. Now, he's the brother of New York Times columnist Maureen Dowd. He went to Yale. He tried out for the basketball team, but wasn't good enough. He didn't make it. His favorite uh, teams are the Washington Redskins, the Washington Nationals baseball team, and the Baltimore Orioles baseball team. He likes beer. He told us that in his hearing. His favorite beer is Budweiser. He likes Bruce Springsteen also. Now, he is notorious for having worked on the Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky matter, and he represented the family of Elian Gonzalez. I don't know if you remember that. That was back in 1999. And he was on the Bush v. Gore decision that made George W. Bush the president. The last, no, the only case that he argued before the Supreme Court was in 1998. And he lost that argument. Three of the justices he argued to are still on the court today. Clarence Thomas, uh, Miss Ginsburg, and Breyer. What he argued in that case was that attorney-client privilege did not apply to Vince Foster after his suicide. This is a long time ago, but he did lose that. Now, he was hired by Harvard several years ago to teach, and uh, the one Supreme course, Court, right? yeah, one course, it's called an interstellar course between the fall semester and the spring semester. He taught about the Constitution. He was hired by a now Supreme Court Justice, Ellen Elena Kagan. She was the dean of the Harvard Law School. So those are some facts you might want to know about him. Now, since I have this microphone here, and I know EJ wants to say something, I want to tell you about some of the things about the Supreme Court that most people don't know. He sounds like he's highly privileged. He had all the perks. He went to work in the White House. He decided to get friendly with the uh, president's secretary and marry her, and that helped him boost his career even further. Uh, the Bushes attended his wedding. Bush nominated him to be a judge on the uh, this uh, Court of Appeals circuit. D.C. circuit. D.C. circuit, Court of Appeals. We're all, but what bothers me is we're all taught to behave, 
be be careful of how you behave because of what other people you don't want to tarnish uh your family's image you don't want to tarnish your reputation uh it'll come back to haunt you later or you have to be good you can't shouldn't do this you shouldn't do that here this guy is reported to have done all kinds of things but yet he was able to rise up to the top top legal position in the country what does that say to our children and and our adults who say why do i need to behave well well i hope that our children will do better than that let me just say this i think he's a partisan and i don't think he's good for the bench i guess you understand that but let me tell you a little bit about the supreme court Nine people sit on the Supreme Court. One of the justices is the chief justice. He is paid how much? $267,000 a year for nine months sitting on the bench. The other eight judges are called associate justices. They make $255,300 a year, again, for nine months. That's great work if you can get it. Now, for you kids out there listening, if you want to be a Supreme Court judge, you better go to Harvard Law School or Yale Law School. For the last 25 years, the people who sit on the bench have gone to Yale or Harvard. Here they are. Sonia Sotomayor graduated from Yale. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she graduated from Harvard. Elena Kagan graduated from Harvard Law School. Stephen Breyer, who was one of my professors, graduated from Harvard Law School. John Roberts, who is the chief judge, graduated from Harvard Law School. Neil Gorsuch, he graduated from Harvard Law School. Now, Samuel Alito, he graduated from Yale. Clarence Thomas graduated from Yale. And so did Brett Kavanaugh. Those are the justices of the Supreme Court. They're the ones who will look at a lot of cases. Now, you know, I don't wish this man ill will. But I don't think this story is over. I hope that he will be a good justice, but I think there will always be a cloud hanging over his head. I don't think he's going to be one of our great justices. Let me go on to the ugly of the news here because time is passing and we need to take a break. We know the ugly of this past week's news comes from New York. We learned this is New York State, a limousine loaded with revelers bound for a 30th birthday celebration blew through a stop sign at the end of a highway and slammed into a parked SUV outside of a store, killing all 18 people in the limo and two pedestrians who were in the parking lot. It was awful. The owner of this limo company has just been taken into custody. He was out of the country when this happened. He came back on I think it was Tuesday of uh, this week and Wednesday, that's today that we're broadcasting, uh, he was taken into custody by police. Now, information indicates that this limo was a stretch limo that was um, not in good shape, that its brakes were in bad shape, and that uh, it had failed certain uh, inspections. And we also find out that the driver who was killed did not have a correct driving license for this vehicle. What a tragedy. What a tragedy. Tell us about it, EJ. Oh, <laughs> I think you've covered it. Uh, all of it. It's just that when you saw the video, the I mean, when you sh saw what it looked like, 
the road ended and there was a stop sign. You had to either turn left or right. This this uh, driver just dr- blew through the stop sign into a country r- store and into a car that was in a parking lot at the store and hit two other people who I guess were getting in the car or getting out of the car. And they kept the car, kept the uh, van or limo. the limo kept going. But um, they were going uh, higher than the speed limit. We don't I don't think we know if the driver was um, had been drinking or not. But we do know that they had gone on a wine tour and were uh, a wine vin- going to vineyards and were heading to uh, a brewery after that. Was it 18 people in the vehicle? 18 people. 17 of, uh, I think, a family of uh, people. And then the well, driver. The girl and her husband, another. Yeah, they were forced. There were four, there were four, four sisters, sisters celebrating one of the sisters' birthdays. Right, but the two of them had husbands with them. Right. That's what I'm saying, trying to say. Well, it's all very sad and very ugly news. That's, that's the news of the good, the bad, and the ugly for this week. Next week, we'll have more for you. Right now, we're going to take a pause for the cause. Stick with us. This is Birdsong. We've got EJ here with me. Hello, folks. Birdsong back with you. A lot of news today. The good, the bad, and the ugly. We just talked about it. Some real ugly stuff with that crash up in New York State. I feel so bad. What I didn't mention, though, is that right now, the panhandle of Florida is being inundated by a Category 4 hurricane that's lashing down on the uh, panhandle of Florida. Panhandle goes from uh, Jacksonville to Pensacola. That's about 100 miles. There's going to be a lot of damage, but we pray for the people down there, and we hope for the best. It's the Gulf Coast. Of the, the, the hurricane is in the Gulf of Mexico, which is a shallow body of water. All right, but we're going to move on now. We're going to do something lighter. We're going to talk about some dumb criminal law stories. Our first story, and these are all true, folks. These are true stories, and I find them. They're from all over the world. The first story today comes from New York City. The headline, embezzlement from a DA's office. DA means district attorney. They're the prosecutors. Used to be one. The story, it's been reported that a former employee of the Staten Island District Attorney's Office pleaded guilty in April of this year to embezzling more than how much? $444,000 to use for personal expenses. His name, William Nelson, He lives on Staten Island. He used the office's American Express cards over an 11-year period for travel expenses, sporting events, comics, video games, survival gear, and other merchandise. Nelson is 44 years old. He was hired in 2005 at the office's procurement or as the office office's procurement procurement rather director. The theft was uncovered when a new district attorney assumed the job in 2016. Mr. Nelson is facing up to 10 years in the slammer. That is 10 years in prison. We will see what happens when he's sentenced. He hasn't been sentenced yet. 
it's not worth it. Okay. If you can't do the crime, if you can't do the time, don't do the crime, they used to say. All right, our next story comes from Pennsylvania. Headline, House Party Nightclub? The party's over for residents of a home on a quiet block where police discovered a booming nightclub. At least, at least 200 revelers, a hookah lounge, and waitresses were found at the illegal after-hours night spot in the average-looking home in the town of Hazleton, Pennsylvania. Police report that they had bartenders there, a DJ. Police found $900 in cash, and there were two children sleep asleep on the second floor of this house. 200 revelers, isn't that something? House party ni- nightclub, huh? <laughs> well, sounds like a rent party to me. They're raising money to pay their mortgage. Well, maybe so. 900 bucks. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Who knows? Here's another one from Pennsylvania. Now, this is just one of the oddest ones I've ever heard. The headline reads, Cars Really Rev Her Engine. A woman darted wildly into West Norton Street, to chase cars because she's sexually attracted to them, she told police. Police apprehended the unidentified woman who suffers from an ailment called mechanophilia, mechanophilia, that's it, after she escaped from two home aides. On the way home, she was with these home aides. She um, ran out and kissed a white Nissan Pathfinder that she called Husky Bear. She has got problems. I'd never oh, heard of mechana, mechanophilia. Mechanophilia. She gets revved up by seeing cars. Isn't that wow. something? Mm, mm, mm. Well, there's more from Pennsylvania, folks. The headline on this one reads, He stinks at spying. A pervert was arrested when he accidentally filmed footage of himself while setting up a camera to film people in a porta potty. Kenneth Haluska, 59, allegedly installed a tiny device near a toilet paper dispenser to record people at a construction site in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. After someone found it, people viewed the video and found the image of the perv pressing the button. (laughs) Gotcha. All right, he stinks at spying. (laughs) Here's a story from Texas. Will... Will their judgment day be in court, says the headline? Will their judgment day be in court? A Texas couple was talking about the end of times and the wrath of God when they walked naked from their burning home in the town of South Maid, Texas. When a police officer tried to stop Michael and Shannon Ouellette, they attacked him and were soon arrested, say police. Will their judgment day be in court? Inquiring minds want to know. Here's one from the United Kingdom. comes from um, Britain. The headline read, Shorty Alert. Shorty Alert. British police raced to a notorious sex club when a caller reported seeing a child enter, only to learn the child was actually just a very short woman. Police searched Club F in the village of Stanley, which bills itself as Britain's friendliest swinging spot, and learned it was all a false alarm. A manager said the call likely came from a nosy neighbor. 
Shorty alert. Just how short was this lady <laughs> that they thought that she was a child? Munchkin. Yep. All right, there's more, folks. Here's another one from England. The headline on this one says, Potato bath, why? Potato bath, why? A British man was caught filling a bathtub with raw potatoes while wearing a bra over his shirt on a five-day drug binge. After guests at the travel lodge in Eastleigh, England, complained about the smell of marijuana wafting from James Johnson's room, Police searched it and found MDMA and other drugs. When a judge asked why he wanted a potato bath, Mr. Johnson, who's 30, replied, quote, it felt like the right thing to do at that time, end quote. Potato bath. Oh, God. All right. Let's come back to the United States. This is a story from Virginia. The headline, Bipolar Idiot. A man is suing police and a lifeguard who saved him from drowning in Virginia because they didn't rescue him fast enough. Mateus Fijakowski, who's 23, was having a bipolar episode when he tried to drown himself at a pool in the town of Fairfax, Virginia. He claims the rescues the rescuers watched him sink to the bottom of the pool before pulling him out and wants $100,000 to pay or his medical bills. Good luck. Wow. All right. You ever heard of corn dogs? Never heard of corn? Yeah. yeah. Never All right. Never Wisconsin is from where this story comes. It says corn dog deduction. Corn dog deduction. Police tracked down three suspects in the theft of a statute from a church with an unusual clue. Half-eaten corn dogs. Remnants of the food were found near St. Mary's Catholic Church in Wausau, Wisconsin, where the statue of the Most Blessed Virgin Mary was stolen in mid-May of this year. Police deduced the snacks were bought at the convenience store across the street from the church and found the trio using by using surveillance footage. Corn dog deduction. Smart cops. All right, here's one from Florida. Headline, shoot. A winter garden man accidentally mistook his wife for a burglar and shot her twice as she was stepping out of the bathroom. Nathan and Allison Simmons were spooked by a sound they thought was a burglar while getting ready for bed, but decided it was nothing. An hour later, Nathan was awakened by noise and opened fire on his wife. Thank heavens she survived. <laughs> Shoot. Twice. <laughs> I don't know about that one. That sounds pretty fishy to me. Oh, gosh. All right. Here's a story from Illinois. The headline read, Weekend at Bernie's Meets Golden Girls. Weekend at Bernie's Meets Golden Girls. An older woman was caught pushing a corpse around in a shopping cart. The unidentified woman was spotted hauling the corpse on Chicago's south side, and she was taken to a hospital for a mental health evaluation. It is not clear where she found the body, which was that of a woman. Mm-hmm. Isn't that something? What a shame. All right, folks, those are the dumb criminal law stories for this week. There will be more. These stories are true, and they never go away. 
They're dumb, and that's why we catch them. I used to say that when I was a prosecutor. I used to say that to the jury. All right, I've got some riddles here. You ready? You ready to hear them, EJ? Yeah. All right, the first riddle. You don't have to answer them now, but I want you to think about them, okay? Okay. The first riddle. Why did the chicken say meow, oink, and bow, wow? Why did the chicken say meow, oink, and bow, wow? Think about it. Number two. How do you keep intruders out of your cheese castle? How do you keep intruders out of your cheese castle? And finally, why does yogurt love going to the museum? Why does yogurt love going to the museum? I'll come back with the answers, but I want you to think about them, okay? Right now, we're going to take a little pause. We will be back with you for more interesting. As a matter of fact, I've got a Paul Harvey story. I think you'll like it. This is Birdsong. I'm back with you. Hope you're enjoying the show. EJ is here. He and I are certainly enjoying being with you. I have a Paul Harvey story for you today. Paul Harvey was a great broadcaster. His son, Paul Arant, wrote a number of stories for him to read in his many broadcasts. I like those stories, and I'm going to read one of his stories for you today. It's called An Anthem for the Enemy. An Anthem for the Enemy. War song. The two words themselves are somewhat in conflict with each other. And yet, for the sake of world culture, this is a type of music of stirring importance. Remember, our own national anthem is a war song of sorts. Anthropologists theorize that this was among the first music to be sung. Primitive people probably conjured their cult rituals with the war song, used it to accompany fiery dancing. In ancient Greece, the songs of Triteus were sung by Spartan warriors at their campfires. Still, other songs were used to hearten the spirits of those about to enter battle. The words to many anthems of war are based on sound psychological principles. What could be more encouraging than the brave deeds of forefathers or a victory projected, predicted in music? By the end of the 15th century, army units began to have trumpeters, drummers, and pipers attached to them. Their music supported the discipline of marching, the urge to battle. You know the songs we sang, but now you're going to hear about an enemy anthem, a rhyme for the Redcoats. Some say this British tune, in 2-4 time, can be traced to a song of French vineyard workers. Others argue that it came from a Spanish sword dance, or a German harvest tune, or maybe a Dutch peasant song. We're not sure. But we do know that British soldiers sang it during the French and Indian War. That's a full two decades before the signing of the Declaration of Independence. And they would use it to shatter the courage of the colonists throughout the revolution. 
sometimes posting troops to sing it outside a church during colonial religious services. It was meant to taunt us, to make us afraid. Then a curious thing happened to this demoralizing melody. We stole it. Yep, just lifted it, words and all, from the voices of our enemies. One patriot suggested that we should change the words befitting the colonial cause, although he, a man named Francis Hopkinson, successfully came up with a new set of lyrics. Our forefathers favored the original. Oh, Hopkins' Battle of the Kegs (laughs) was sung all right, but we are perpetuating a long tradition of musical psychological warfare. We knew what hurt. So the enemy heard their own song, their own words thrown right back at their ears. And it worked. It became a favorite in every camp. It was heard in battle, in defeat, in victory. It was even played at the final surrender of General Cornwallis, which ended the war between the states or the colonies and England. Yes, the enemy anthem worked for the Americans during the Revolutionary War. Such was its subsequent popularity that it's brilliantly survived that war, and we still sing it. Benjamin Carr used it in an orchestral medley called the Federal Overture. That was written in 1794. A century later, visiting European composers would write variations on the tune, honoring the American and their, or the Americans and their efforts during the revolution. The song was intended to needle American troops during our revolution until with incomparable American mischief, we turned the needle around and they got the point. The red coat rhyme that we made our own forevermore was Yankee Doodle. Now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> All right, folks. That is an interesting little story. Like I said, it was written by Paul Arant. That's Paul Harvey's son. And I have more of these stories for you. I think they're great. Good writing. Stick with us. There's more. This is Birdsong. Hey, this is Birdsong back with you. Thanks for sticking with us. We're here every week. We've got information. We've got opinions. we got some news. And today we have some more dumb criminal law stories for you. This one comes from Louisiana. The headline, it's a shame she couldn't do the work. It's a shame she couldn't do the work. A woman used someone else's identification to get a job in Louisiana with a six-figure salary. However, the scheme failed when it was revealed that she could not do the work. A St. Tammany Parish jury deliberated only 15 minutes before convicting Cindy White from Slidell of identity theft. She could be sentenced up to 10 years in prison. Evidence at the trial revealed that Diversified Food and Seasonings hired Miss White, 41, 
in 2015 as a human resource manager and promoted her five months later to a $105,000 position as senior human resources director. When the company realized she was struggling with the work and investigators found she had copied another woman's resume from a LinkedIn ad (laughs) and stolen the ID numbers, she was fired and arrested. It's a shame she couldn't do the work. Here's a sad story out of India, but a true one. Headline, Pals Kill Newlywed. Pals Kill Newlyweds. A new groom, Sunil Verma, 25, was celebrating his marriage with a gathering of family and friends on an April night in this year, earlier this year. He was in the state of Uttar Pradesh in India when the, where the, when the party took a very bad turn. Verma was sitting in a circle with a small group of guests as lively Indian music played. One of his guests, a friend, was fiddling with a pistol. Suddenly, two shots rang out, and Verma clutched his hand to his chest and his face. Verma keeled over and died a short time later. The shooter, identified as a friend of the groom, initially fled the wedding-turned-crime scene, but was arrested just days later in a neighboring town. The shooter confessed to the shooting, but said it was an accident. Pals kill newlywed. How sad. True story, though. It's a true story. Given he shot his own friend, you'd think he wouldn't run. Well, what can you say? All right, the last one here for this part. We wonder how many miles to the gallon, says the headlines. We wonder how many miles to the gallon. This is out of North Carolina. Two men were arrested for allegedly smuggling $90 million in liquid methamphetamine in a semi-truck's fuel tank. Raul Arulia 49, and Aquila Pineda, 48, were caught in the town of Linden with 120 gallons of liquid meth in Areola's 2009 Peterbilt truck, police said. We really wonder how many miles to the gallon. (laughs) Well, listen, let's go. We're running out of time. Let's go to the riddles now. Are you ready? I don't know if you figured them out. They're not that difficult. Here's the first one. EJ, you ready? I'm ready. Why did the chicken say meow, oink, and bow wow? It was studying foreign languages. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> That's cute. It, it is cute. Go on. Tell me how cute it is. <laughs> it's so cute. <laughs> All right. The second riddle. How do you keep intruders out of your cheese castle? How do you keep intruders out of your cheese castle? Nothing's coming. I can't think. Well, the answer is you keep them out with a moat, Zarella. Uh, <laughs> a moat, Zarella. Uh, <laughs> and finally. So funny, I forgot to laugh. All right. Why does yogurt love going to the museum? Why does yogurt love going to the museum? Because it's cultured. Uh, <laughs> I forgot that yogurt was cultured. <laughs> cute, huh? Very cute. That is. All right. I've got a thought for the week here. Try to end it something to make you think about. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is poverty. 
ignorance is devastation. Ignorance is tragedy. Ignorance is illness. It all stems from ignorance. That's the thought for the week. Think about it. Ignorance is not bliss. Ignorance is poverty. Ignorance is devastation. Ignorance is tragedy. Ignorance is illness. It all stems from ignorance. All right, this is Birdsong. We're about to sign off. We love being with you. You want to say goodbye to the good people, EJ? Au revoir. Adios. Abiento. Abiento. Auf Wiedersehen. Bye-bye. We'll talk to you next week. (laughs) 